Jesse Schuster. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show underway. Marshall Falk on the phone joining us momentarily. I think I sent him one too many mean texts during the break saying, where are you? <laughs> Let's get right to him. Marshall Falk there in Kansas City coming fresh off of an NFLPA event with their draftees. Marshall, how did it go and why were you late? <laughs> uh, it, it went well. Um, great event. Uh, really introducing. Um, we, we did the event just kind of talking about the history of the NFL um, we did it at the, uh, the Negro League uh, Museum and um, had uh, Willie Lanier, uh, Bobby Bell, two Kansas City legends, uh, Tony Clark, the executive director of the Major League Baseball Players Association as well, uh, just giving the guys the importance of history and, and, and what things like that mean and letting them know playing the game isn't enough, knowing the game, supporting the game, and leaving the game a better place than when you found it is kind of where you want to be. And having those guys there was awesome. I was just moderating. I was just a fly on the wall, Susan. That's it. Did you let them know that you had an appointment with me and that you had to dump them and get off the stage to be on time? Is that, I just <laughs> I, want to know. I did. I, I literally <laughs> just, I walked. They're still going. They're still going. I'm like, I got something to do. Yeah. There's something far more important than, than what we're doing here with these draftees. Susan needs me. That's right, Marshall. See? I knew you wouldn't let me down. Although I was secretly like plotting revenge at the same time as like the clock ticked on, but that's neither here nor Marshall, there. Marshall, she was getting diabolical over here, man. Well, I know. I, I, I understand. I know I know what it's like. But yeah, poor you know, Rich. I, I, I came through in the clutch. Yeah, I'm here. Did. I hear you. All right, Marshall, what do you remember from your week when you sat there waiting for your name to be called? Um, how surreal it was that, you know, a dream, and I was actually talking to my kids about this. When I was a little kid, the dream of playing professional football was just a dream. And it was like, it was like wanting to win a billion dollars. When you're a kid coming up from the project and you don't have much, it seems so far-fetched that people would tell you, you're crazy for having a dream. You got to do something else just in case that doesn't happen. And to be sitting there day before and day of, knowing your name is going to get called and your life is going to change and set dream is about to happen, I'm getting chills right now just thinking about it. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And and the journey that that you're on to getting you there, you start to think back of all the things that went on. You know, I, I look back, I, I remember looking back and thinking, I mean, I went to college with two duffel bags full of clothes and like $200. That was it. It's like, hey, good luck. And sitting there knowing that not only my life was about to change, but the lives that I could change with the impact and the financial resources that I was about to be, that I was about to dive into, it, it's just um, there's no words for it. It's 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 like it's actually it's, you're watching reality TV happen in real time right there when you're watching a draft. That's reality TV, not scripted. And I think what you said, Marshall, is so true. It's the weight on your shoulders knowing that not just your life is changing, but the family members around you that helped you get you there, that you were supported by for so many years, that you can then change their lives. 
for a young kid, these are these are still kids. I, I mean, everyone says, "Oh, they're men." They're, these are still kids. This is pretty weighty stuff. We are. We we we. I, I, I was a kid. Their kids. Um, the the financial resources and the support and 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 what I think now is the NFL and NFLPA and, and with, with all the all the things that they do, they're providing far greater resources because now we understand. The, the types of monies that they're coming into at an early age, um, it's it's life changing, and 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 I and I say life changing because you don't know if the change is going to be good or bad. It could go either way, and what we want to make sure is that we encourage them and we give them the resources to make better decisions and to do better things with their finances, so that they can make a difference and have a positive impact on the lives around them. Marshall Falk joining us here on the Rich Eisen Show. Susie Schuster in for Rich Eisen. The running back position, Marshall. Uh, you know, all you hear about are quarterbacks. What's your thoughts on the way the running back position is evaluated by these NFL decision makers? A father just asked me, he said, hey, look, I got a son that's a running back that's, that'll be in the draft. I got two more sons, and they both play running back. He's like, what advice do you have? I said, don't be just a running back. You cannot be just a running back. That's like just, just being the first, second down guy, not understanding third down, not understanding, not having the ability to move out into the slot and be a serviceable guy or play special teams. And that you, can no longer, you can no longer just be a running back. That's not allowed. You have to be a football player that plays running back, not, not, not playing football as a running back. It's, just, it's, it's not accepted. The NFL is trying to – they're trying to identify the best football players – they don't care what position you play. They want to put the best football players on the field. That's why you see San Francisco using Debo Samuel as a running back. <laughs> you know, you start to see the, the interchangeable positions with tight ends being able to – teams are playing with two and three tight ends on the field. You have to be able to do more. and we, We're going to get there. You're going to see multiple quarterbacks come in and out of the game. When you have a guy, a runner, and a thrower – Teams are going to start to do that because you've got to get the most out of the players that you have. Speaking of talent, Rich had Bijan Robinson on the other day, and he was just incredibly impressive in his conversation with Rich. Where do you think he should be drafted? Listen, as early as possible. And and what I would like for him is to you know, go go to a, go to a team that has a good quarterback and and a, and a pretty decent offense because the hard the hard part. You know, it's it's great being the first, second, third round pick. I mean, not third round, but third pick of the draft. When you're an early pick, you want to be an early pick. That's what you want. You want to be the first overall, second overall, third overall. But you got to remember, you're going to a crappy team. And that means they might not have a good quarterback. They might not have a good offensive line. And you have to endure. You you're, you're, you have to endure. So I, I, I would like him to go to a, a contender. Uh, it, it sounds crazy, but fall into the middle of the first and go to a team that's like on the verge of, of maybe making the playoffs or they made some moves that they're, they're in a better position than they were last year. Cause you don't want to, you don't want to go, you don't want as, as listen, it's crazy as it sounds. It's a badge of honor to be the first overall pick. But then again, you're going to a pretty crappy team. Speaking of guys who are in the league, I'm wondering about Zeke Elliott. Like what's his future? Like where's his mindset right now, Marshall? Well, um, I, I like to say his future is bright, but the mindset, it, you know, it, 
as as we all have egos, it takes a hit. You know, it, it, it's understood. Um, it, this business is it's fickle, man. You you could be the star one day, and then one day you could not have a star on the side of your helmet. And 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 that with, with that, now it's like it's 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 getting healthy, understanding what it was. You can't you cannot be healthy for back to back years and make a lot of money. That just don't that, that doesn't work. So health is important, and you know Zeke was the opposite. He he actually he got drafted pretty high and went to a team that had a really good offensive line. And the last couple of years, that offensive line wasn't what it was when he was putting up big numbers. And so he found himself he found himself in a position that you know you don't want to be in. You, you don't want to be banged up playing behind an offensive line. That uh, that you have to get creative in the backfield before <laughs> before you get to the line of scrimmage, and now it's like, where do you go? Who do you play for? Finding a team where you can be successful, where your skill set is wanted and needed, and you can have success. And you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that right away. It is funny if you as you say that. I just think when Zeke was in the draft, all you heard about was he was the second coming of everybody, and you're right. And your ego does take a hit when you suddenly realize that you may not be who they thought you were. It's like that old famous, you know, we are who they thought they were, only the opposite. Yeah, it, it, it's something that you have to deal with. And, and and listen, he's no different than me, no different than anybody that played the game. At some point in time, it, it's it's father time or it's injuries, and it could be both. But we'll, we'll have to see. We'll see if a healthy Ezekiel Elliott is, is his old self or – is he his old self? What about Austin Eckler? The Chargers have clearly let him go out there and seek a trade, and you know he wants a new contract. What's your advice for him? What do you think is going to shake out there? Listen, based on the percentage of, of the offense he was, he deserves more money. And at the same time, at the same time, the Chargers, when you're a decision maker, what you got to decide is, okay, this, when this guy touched the ball that much, do we win? <laughs> and and and. When you decide that, that that's not the case, then you have to make a decision. You have to make a business decision. And for the Chargers, it's about it's about business. They're 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 in this they're in this to, to make business decisions. Um, I think he's going to end up somewhere and, and and really be on the team that he's either going to get a lot of money and play for a bad team, or he's not going to make that much money and play for a good team. That's pretty much it. But he gets to make that decision, and he's in control of. His future, the Chargers have given him the rights to go out to do that. And, you know, I, I, I want what's best for Austin. Great player, a great addition to any team, and a, a guy that, that you can win with. Marshall Falk here on the Rich Eisen Show. Susie Schuster in for Rich Eisen. Marshall, are you a mock draft kind of guy? I'm not really a mock draft kind of guy. How did I know that already? Because we're talking about, like... It, it, I just said, how many yachts can you water ski behind? How many mock drafts until it's enough? Like, I just think it's insane. It, it's, yeah, 100%. You know, it was like, uh, the, the, uh, we got the mock draft. We know who it is. And all of a sudden, the first pick gets traded. Now what do you do? Oh, mock drafts out of the way. It's, you know, I, I, think it's, I think it's for, it's for entertainment. I mean, I, I, think, I think there's more into fantasy football draft than a mock draft. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed, and better food too. So there's that. Um, Marshall, any surprises you think we're going to see in this draft? Or are you kind of expecting I, this? What everyone basically is prognosticating? It's it, it's hard to say, Susie. I mean, uh, like 
we don't know how much how much willing and dealing that that there's going to be. I mean, it's like this 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 draft it, it could go it could go as planned or it could be totally different. Um, we we have to see and, and what's what's starting to happen is you you have the teams that invest in the draft and you have the teams that don't care about the draft. And and, and now we've had a flip flop because the Rams never cared about the draft and now they do. <laughs> it's which which way do you go? And I think I think we're going to get teams that go one way, and we're going to get teams that go the other way. But for the most part, um, I think it's entertaining. I love these kids getting these opportunities. I love the way that they do the draft and and and, and having the first round be its day, and the other rounds be be its day. And um, I think it's great for TV. Uh, the, the 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 fandom around it all, red carpet, all of that, it deserves it because. It, it it is a moment in time that 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 you always remember. Marshall, before we let you go, this is the Rich Eisen show. I have to ask you about the Aaron Rodgers trade results. Him walking in through the door today, Robert Sala looking at him like he is a triple chocolate layer cake, the hottest girl in the building. <laughs> All these Jets fans getting all giddy. Sauce Gardner saying we're definitely in the playoffs. We're gonna. All these people are buying tickets for the Super Bowl in advance. Like you know how I feel about it. Like come on, what's your take? Susie, I won't take this away from Rich. <laughs> but you want to? You know, do you kind of? Do you will, kind of want him? I will not. I will not take this away from Rich. Um, I just. I won't. I will not do it to him. I. Um, I'm, I'm wishing them the best. I, I hope that that eight rod has has a lot left in the tank, and that his dedication to working with the the young receivers in the off season is going to lead to everything that this team, like what they started last year, before the debacle, before all the quarterback issues. Um, and and here here's what I'm gonna say. I'm, I'm gonna tell you this this one thing. The Jets right now and the guys that they have on offense on this team might be better than any team that Aaron Rodgers, I'm talking talent-wise, that he's ever played on when he was in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's ever had this collection of talent when you look at what he has. And I I have to say, Brees Hall coming back um, healthy, uh, I, I look at this team, I'm like, wow. Like this is probably the best collection of talent that he's had. I'm not talking about like, and and, and I don't want to, you know, we didn't know who Devonte Davis, Devonte Adams was um, when when he came out of Fresno. He, he he wasn't he wasn't Garrett Wilson. He wasn't like that guy. You didn't see that in him when he came in. He developed into that, and he had a lot of those traits. And then and the other pieces that they have around him. This is this is, you know, Aaron Rodgers. A lot of the offensive lines that he played with, it, it was guys we didn't know a lot of. We didn't know a lot about. And I just, um, man, this is an opportunity. And I, I just hope in Rich, in Rich's lifetime, lifetime, he gets to watch the Jets at least play in the Super Bowl. Hmm. Just play in one. <laughs> so are you saying right now that you're willing to say, Marshall Falk, breaking news, the Jets are in the Super Bowl this year? Uh, I wouldn't give him, I wouldn't give them that. Um, there's just, there's just too many good teams in the AFC right now. And I'm not just talking about kind of good. I'm talking about really good teams in the AFC. So I just, I, I I won't go that far, but I'm going to tell you, uh, 
Aaron Rodgers, he takes the question mark of the most important position on the football field. And that question mark for the Jets has been bigger and more than the Riddler. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I got to tell you, though, it it is. You have to admit, though, Marshall, and I I get it. You've been the guy walking in the door. I'm with you sometimes when we're out and I see the way grown men look at you like you're a steak and they just want to they just want to be near you. But the way that Aaron came in today, you have to admit, it was just, it's hysterical. It's like, I mean, we got a graphic up, RG3 put out, like I told you, find someone who looks at you the way Robert Sala looks at Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, and I know Rich is trying to act cool, Marshall. He's trying not to act like he's been losing as long as I've known him. Jets-wise, of course. Jets-wise, of course. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Is it enough, Marshall? I don't know. As, as we know, Rich, all right, they've had less and they've had more hope going into seasons with less. I mean, I can only imagine the feeling of hope. Like the Jets, this is legitimate hope. You know, and, and I'm, I'm going to go this far. This is like being black and Barack Obama becoming the president <laughs> type of hope. That's, I'm, I'm serious. That's, that's where the Jets are with Aaron Rodgers at, at, at yes, quarterback. That's where they're at. Oh, my God. So you're saying we <laughs> got serious. a chance. Wow. I'm just saying, like, like they, 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 they've never they, – they, their quarterback – it's been a long time since the Jets quarterback – since the Jets took the field and they felt like their quarterback was better than the other team's quarterback, regardless of who it was. I'm just going to tell you this, Marshall, and you get this. It's New York. They'll find something to complain about in three, two, and one. And you know I'm right. I I agree. I agree. But guess what? Aaron Rodgers is perfect for it because you know what he's going to tell them? Relax. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to say relax and let go, and they're going to be so up in his craw. I can't wait for the first time this goes wrong. Here's the thing. Like all the all the things that bother, can he play in the cold in Buffalo? Well, we know that. You know, how about the wind in in, in, in New York when you throw the ball and when it gets windy in New York? Not worried about that. Like all all the things that you worry about. Oh, you know the the messy weather in Foxborough. Don't worry about that. Ooh, but I, I want I just want to be there when everything goes wrong because it's going to happen. It's New York, and I can't There's wait. There there is a chance. There is a chance. But what I will not do to my friend, mm-hmm. my buddy Rich Eisen, mm-hmm. I will not be the guy to drive the stake in him. I will not do that to him. I am going to let him gloat. He's just going to get to do it. Like I, I, I watched his message yesterday ten times. In the car? I watched <laughs> in the car. I watched it ten times. Mm. And and I'm gonna say he wasn't quite here when Favre got traded to the Jets. Yeah, I but know. I watched it, Susie, and I was like, this is a man who has been in pain for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a shrink for that, Marshall. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, there's a shrink for that. But, Marshall, I love you. Thank you for calling in. I would have probably flown there and found you and pulled you out of whatever you were in had you not shown up. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Wow. Um, you know. 
some of us are crazy. Others are not. But uh, maybe there's a little two fingers pointing right at her. Marshall, uh, thanks for calling in. And don't worry, I'll be there to ruin Rich's fun as soon as possible when it comes to the Jets. Because as a rabid Pats fan, you're going down, guys. I can't do it to him. I'll do it. Don't worry. Ah, Don't worry. I'll do it. All right, Marshall. Thanks again. Goodbye. That was Marshall Falk. Tom Pelissero calling in momentarily. We're going to take a quick break and then go back to some Jets bashing because why not? It's Wednesday. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The sleep number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least the partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Tom Pelissero joining us here on the Rich Eisen Show, NFL Network Insider. Do you believe then the top five will go somewhat as scripted? I don't know what the script is at this point, Susie, honestly, just because, you know, again, beyond Bryce Young, there's a couple of different things that can happen in number two, and that's going to have a butterfly effect on everybody else. I mean, everyone's known number three has been available for some time, and it's entirely possible that Arizona has certain tentative deals, depending on what happens in number two, where they'll be able to get out of that pick. But if they can't get out of that pick, do they stand in and take Paris Johnson, which has been uh, certainly the strong rumbling within the league in the past several days? Potentially, could they go with a defensive player? I'm fairly confident they're not going to take a quarterback there, even though Kyler Murray is coming off of the ACL. But the only really true things that I think everybody is confident in up at the top of the draft is at number one, it's Bryce Young. At number four, the Colts are going to take the top quarterback not named Bryce Young, on their board, everything else that happens around them, including Seattle, which may want to trade back, there's there's just a lot up in the air. Um, you know, and again, that that's going to make it fun tomorrow night. Has social media changed at all how you cover a draft? Well, to the extent that somebody posting on Reddit that their sister's cousin heard that one player is 
claiming he's going to go number one and it moves <laughs> betting lines. Uh, other than that, it's no, crazy. I, I don't think so. But it I, is I crazy. That, it changes the conversation in, in, it, in the strangest of ways. When I tweeted, and I generally don't pay attention to the betting lines, but when I tweeted Bryce Young has canceled his remaining visits, that was about, I think, 10 days ago, and the betting lines I know, because people were sending it to me, shifted like massively toward Bryce Young at number one. And I don't even like that. That doesn't even process in my head all the time that, hey, if I tweet this thing, it's going to you know, cause money to move. I mean, that's, that's the last thing that I'm thinking about with any of this. But, I mean, I do think this. There's such an echo chamber that exists, and not just within the public or the media, but also within teams. Because we're, we're all talking to each other, right? GMs and head coaches are calling me, and we're going through the board, and we're going up and down the top 32 picks and who the surprises are going to be in one and what trades potentially could happen. And we all kind of have, you know, sometimes there's different information. A lot of times it's similar information. And, you know, there's a good chance that a lot of it's accurate. But there's also a possibility that some of it is stemming from something that's not real. And that's the stuff that you're just trying to sort out. You know, at least the good part is outside of the trades that can happen within the first round involving players, which saw a couple of those last year with A.J. Brown and Hollywood Brown uh, both switching teams. Beyond that, there's not a lot you can do during the draft other than wait until you hear the trades have been made or hear the pick has been made, and then you kind of find out what comes next. It's like everything you know about reporting, especially because I think it's I think everybody knows we're not allowed to acknowledge or tip the picks before they're announced on TV. There's only so much that we can do. So I'm kind of yeah, I'm monitoring trades and things like that and texting people within the league, but and know, finding good barbecue places extent, to go. Well, I'm going to do that before the draft. I think I might pick up a little jack stack and bring it back to the uh, the hotel after I'm done with TV tomorrow. But yeah, I mean, you're you're kind of just you're you're enjoying it a little bit. But you know, again, last year there were a ton of trades. There was some wild stuff that happened in round one, and that was without really the quarterbacks, the caliber of quarterbacks that you have in this draft. It's going to be wild. You mentioned earlier the Aaron Rodgers video. I want your reaction to this. Obviously, Marshall was un- was unwilling to bash Rich's excitement. So I'm curious about your take on watching Aaron Rodgers walk in this morning. It reminded me of George Washington crossing the Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first thing I was struck by was just Aaron looked very happy and relaxed. I mean, I think that we we remember some of his arrivals in recent years in Green Bay. In 2021, it was the after everything that had gone on and trade talks and everything else, there was real uncertainty. I was in Green Bay at Lambeau Field, and I got up to the the uh, cement bridge that goes over the player parking lot and happened to get the video that we showed a million times on NFL Network uh, on my phone of just Aaron coming out of what at the time was the COVID testing tent and then walking into the facility. Uh, you know, last year it was the setup, the Nicolas Cage look and everything. In this case, you know, somebody obviously sent him a Jets hoodie, and he just kind of walks in with a big grin on his face. What I see, and I've covered Aaron for – I mean, virtually his entire career. I was there in 06 when he got in the game against the Patriots and broke his ankle. I was on the beat in 07 uh, when he got the opportunity in Dallas to, um, you know, get his opportunity when Favre uh, had an injury and played well. And it was kind of from that point forward, you know, Mike McCarthy, Ted Thompson knew, like, this guy's ready. And, you know, when we need him on the field, we're going to be able to do that. Um, I, I just I think about everything that's gone on through the course of Aaron's career, and he's a complicated person. Um, he's a very thoughtful type of a person, but he just looks like a guy right now who knows he's kind of playing with house money. Yes, there's going to be a ton of pressure. 
yes, people are going to be looking at the Jets and debating for the next however many months, is this a Super Bowl contender? Should they be winning the whole thing? Is it a disappointment if they don't? But for Aaron, he was in a place that by his own acknowledgement last month was 90% certain he was going to retire and then went into the darkness, came out, got the sense that the Packers were moving on without him and decided, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to come back and play, and I'll go and play in New York. Um, so whatever happens this season, he does look like, you know, just looking at him again from the outside looking in and, you know, knowing him from way back, he, he looks like a guy who's, you know, sort of at peace here with however this whole thing plays out. And we'll see. I mean, it's one of the biggest storylines in recent NFL history. You know, I don't think that the track record is great for quarterbacks changing teams super late in their career. I mean, Aaron's going to turn 40 later this year. But, you know, obviously you've got the, the exceptions to that rule. And you've got Brett Favre, who went to the Jets, tore his biceps and did not have a good season in 08, but then came back in that season for the ages in 09. If he doesn't throw an interception in New Orleans, he might win another Super Bowl. Um, you know, you have Peyton Manning won one near the end where he was physically diminished, but just kind of with grit and guts went out and won. Aaron can still do it. Aaron's issue is not age. It's, you know, a big part of it's just been injuries. If he can stay healthy... And the Jets are certainly at number 15, going to be looking for protection for them. You know, there, there's no reason to think, based on the flashes he had on tape last year, that for one season, one time, on the biggest stage, with all the pressure, that Aaron can't dig deep and at least give himself the opportunity to have one of those magical types of runs. Yeah. This is going to be a long fall. It's going to be it's going to be amazing. Tom, that's the thing that I, I keep coming back to, that 90%. Him telling Pat that he's ni- he was 90% retired before... Did he do the full four days? It feels like he only did half that. But uh, So is he playing this year out of spite for Green Bay and Brian Gutekunst, essentially? Or what's your sense there? Well, there's going to be, I assume in this press conference, it starts at the top of the hour, a Seinfeld-type moment of, Aaron, are you doing this for spite? No, 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 I'm doing this for all the right reasons. Want to play, right. want to win. Well, you kind of already said spite. You know, we're not, we're not going to allow you to go back on that. I mean, that's... I had the same impression when I when I heard that initial interview that he he feels like he's got something to prove. But he's yeah. also, you know, I, I've always found him to be a very internally motivated human in terms of, you know, again, he, he's complicated and he thinks about things in different ways. And people can disagree with his opinions at times, but you at least know that whatever he's saying, whatever he's, you know, the way he's acting, it's coming from this place of meditation and uh, self-reflection. So I think that uh, on a base level, he's doing this because he really feels inside him it's the right thing to do. But to the extent that he felt jilted by the Packers, that they weren't just willing to sit around and wait for him, I, I think there's absolutely some motivation there. And from the Packers' perspective, based on what Brian Gutekunst has said publicly, uh, you understand their perspective too. I mean, they, they were trying to get a hold of him, to visit him, to just have the conversation, not of the, hey, we're moving on conversation, the Hey, organizationally, we got to do some things differently here. Maybe some of your buddies aren't going to be back. Maybe we're not going to bring back the Cobbs and the Mercedes Lewises, the Mason Crosbys. We may have to move on from some other high-priced players. Like, do you want to be a part of this? And can you be all in? And are you going to show up for the offseason? And are you going to work with these young receivers? Like, they never got to have that that conversation. I think there's uh, some disappointment in that. But some, you know, credit to Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball and those guys for doing the contract the way that they did because it did build in the flexibility, even though when they signed him last year for, I mean, basically it was three years and 150 plus million, they built it in such a way that they had that late vesting option bonus and they didn't have a ton of bonus proration into the future. 
They're going to eat, based on the restructure they did yesterday to facilitate the trade, about $40.3 million, I think it is, this year in dead cap space. But they will have no dead cap for Aaron Rodgers in 2024 and beyond. They owe Aaron Rodgers zero additional dollars. They will pay him no cash this year. So from a cash perspective, they're already out of it. From a cap perspective, they'll be out of it next year. And we'll see what the final contract ends up being with the Jets here, too, because right now, based on that restructure yesterday, he's on paper for $1.2 million this mm. year and 107 point something million next year. Pretty confident that's not what the final contract's going to be, so we'll get those answers in a couple of days. So what do these teams do in the draft? What does Green Bay do at 13, and what do you anticipate the Jets doing at 15? It's a great question, Brockman, because, you know, at 13, the ultimate heel turn for the Packers, of course, would be you draft a receiver. <laughs> Aaron never had a receiver drafted in the first round the whole time that he's he's the starting quarterback and everybody talks about that, even though, you know, they drafted the the Jordy Nelsons of the world early in the second round and he was a pretty darn good player for him for a long time. But it would just be a, a fast fantastic type of a development if that's what they did. But you also know that Goodacoos isn't thinking through that lens. I do think receiver's a possibility at thirteen for them. I think tight end with Robert Tunyon not being back there and how they want to use tight ends in that offense, I think that that is a possibility. And they potentially could be in the offensive line bucket as well. Um, just because, you know, with David Bakhtiari's knee, he's not played a lot over the last couple of years. They have to hedge their bets at least to a certain degree. They got really good young players, you know, like Josh Nyman, who, who has played every different position. Um, but they, they may need to, you know, have an upgrade there. And for the Jets at 15, you know, you're just hoping, if you're Joe Douglas and those guys, that – moving back two spots doesn't cost you one of those top tackles in the draft because those guys are going to go fast. Paris Johnson, from everyone I've talked to, is going to go high. Uh, Skaronsky, who most people have as, a, have as a guard, is going to go high from Northwestern. Uh, the Tennessee guy, Darnell Wright, uh, and the Georgia player, Broderick Jones, all those guys potentially could go in the first 14 picks because you've got to run a teams right there, Tennessee, Green Bay, New England, all could use offensive line help. Right. So if those guys are gone with the Jets, you trade back, you take an Anton Harrison a little bit later. Um, I just have to think they've done a lot of work. Joe Douglas has done a great job. Last year's draft class, you know, potentially, if they win a Super Bowl this year, all the time will be about Aaron. But a lot of it will be the, they got studs with those first four picks last year. Um, I would certainly think that, you know, there's a lot of things that are on the table, but getting some additional help up front, especially with the injuries they went through last year on the offensive line, has to be top of mind in New York. All right, Tom, some non-draft stuff happened today. Tell us about Chase Young. Why was his fifth year not picked up? Yeah, this is a, an interesting one. They did the same thing last year with Deron Payne, and Payne came out, played with his hair on fire, got franchise tagged, and then got a massive $20 million-plus per year extension. Ron Rivera actually uh, referenced that earlier in the offseason, saying, hey, we did that. You know, Sometimes there's value in people being motivated. I mean, I would just tell you this. Think about the situation right now in Washington. You have new ownership that, barring something falling apart, is going to be approved in the coming months. Usually when you have a coaching staff that's already in place, that makes it a critical type of year. If you don't win and win big, you are in all likelihood going to be out. And so if you're Ron Rivera, you're thinking, and, and you know, Ron's always had a history of taking care of the guys who produce, you're thinking, how are we going to get the most motivated Chase Young we possibly can because 2023 matters a whole lot more to Ron Rivera and that coaching staff right now, frankly, than 2024 and beyond. I uh, mean, you know, Ron's a good coach, and we'll see how this season shakes out. But it does make some sense here, just with the injuries Young has had as well, uh, that history with Deron Payne and knowing the situation things are in. You know, this guy was a, he was a pro bowler and the defensive player of the year 
as a rookie. We know he can be really good. And if he comes out and is healthy, this is also going to be a great thing for Chase Young because he'll be that much closer instead of looking at a fifth-year option in 24. He'll be looking at a franchise tag and a, and a monster type of an extension uh, close to $30 million per year if, again, he's healthy and he produces. Tom, before we lose you, Austin Eckler, maybe we should talk about Derek Henry. You think one of these guys is getting traded? Sorry, I had someone yelling in the background. Austin <laughs> Eckler and who? And Derek Henry. Here's I'm in the middle of a tour here now. Uh, <laughs> Austin Eckler, uh, there have been preliminary discussions from what I've heard. Um, as of yesterday, there was no news on that front. Um, you know, he's in a tough spot because he's got a, a low number that they can keep, six-plus million dollars. Um, he was an undrafted rookie, so he didn't make upfront money through the course of his career. And he wants to get paid, and the Chargers have the leverage here because of the number that he's on this year and the possibility of a franchise tag in 2024. I, I'm sure there's a bunch of teams who would love to have Austin Eckler, but are they going to pay him and give the Chargers the type of draft pick it would take to get him out? I would just refer back to what Brandon Staley has said, which is that they hope and want him uh, to be a part of the Chargers in 2023. And then with regard to Derrick Henry, um, you know, Rand Carlton said earlier this week they have not gotten any calls on him. There's certainly a possibility that, you know, a trade could come together quickly. But the thing you have to always remember here, Susie, is that in order to get trades done during the draft with veteran players, you really need to have, if you're going to do a contract with them, you need to have that done in advance. When A.J. Brown got traded last year, that contract was already negotiated. It was already in place. And so that, you know, was taken care of. With Hollywood Brown, the trade got done while they were on the clock, and he did not get a new contract. So with Derrick Henry, a new contract would be a prerequisite to any deal. Same thing with Austin Eckler. So if those guys are going to get traded during this draft, the wheels are going to have to get in motion here ASAP. Tom, I know you're kind of busy giving tours over there, so we will let you go. (laughs) And as always, thanks for taking the time. You always do. You're a class act. We appreciate it. When we do our mock draft of announcers, we'll take you two right behind Rich because I know where my bread is buttered. So, you know, priorities here, of course. I was going to say we'll put you number two and I'll take number three. How about that? Uh, Oh, yeah. Buttering up the host. I, I didn't see that one. That wow. one is a uh, that was a late breaking trade rumor. I have to say. <laughs> hey, Tom. Thanks again. Really appreciate your time. You got it, Susie. Thanks. See you, buddy. Hey, bro. Because he's got nothing else to do but to call into our show, so we can talk to him for like I don't know three hours. I mean, like, I, I mean you can keep asking him questions. Well, he knows yeah, we, everything. We could have done this like for the rest of the show. Yeah. But he's literally in the train station in Kansas City as the tour goes by. That is hilarious. And by the way, like, meanwhile, they're going to start, like, asking him questions. Excuse me, where's the bathroom? He's like, I'm, a, I'm on a show here. Right, because he's in a suit on a phone, so he looks important, like he knows what's going right. on around there. He, and, like, and he's got the hair. Uh, perfect hair. He's got the look. Yeah. I mean, I'd ask him questions, but wait, what show is this? Hey, anyway, uh, let's take a break. We're going to wrap up hour two. Amy Trask still ahead. Rich still ahead. We're going to play a great game called Lion Season or Not. And it's always Lion Season. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just 
find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eisen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Well, the Lakers overtime game had me thinking as I watched Dylan Brooks really just get into it with LeBron leading up to this series with uh, with Memphis. Why do you poke the bear? Mm-hmm. Why do you, as a player, uh, uh, Dylan Brooks, um, not in the same category as LeBron, why do you poke a bear? Especially at this time in the playoffs, because watching the overtime game the other night, I, I, I called Rich, I said, this is men and boys. I mean, LeBron got angry, and it made me start thinking about top five guys you don't want to poke when you're heading into the playoffs. Mike? I poke bears. I don't expect no one until they come and give me 40. Definitely not a bear on cocaine like that bear, I'm That's just amazing. saying. Just like that bear, I'm just saying maybe a little... uh found the bag, but here are my top five bears not to poke. Already got it. Look, I am my age. I'm a 50-year-old, so I'm going to say right away, you don't poke Michael Jordan, right? I mean, how many players learn their lesson? Learn their lesson about not poking, and I think of like maybe Reggie yapping, I think of like Starks yapping, I think of, I don't know, a couple other players just like, don't poke Michael Jordan, right? Let's follow that up with, and we're going to go backwards. This is like the Hebrew edition, so we're going to go from right to left. Larry Bird. I mean, don't you hear in the back of your head any of us who are from New England, like when Magic Johnson would say, well, Larry Bird, you don't poke Larry Bird. Because when you poke Larry Bird, he gets angry, he turns red, and he'll crush your soul. Don't you think that's fair? Yep. I think that's really fair. I'm going to put Shaq and Kobe in together because anybody who's ever watched this show knows like that was the years. Those were the years I spent with the Lakers. I had a front row seat to watch those two get angry. The triangle was not just a, a method of moving the ball around the court for continuous motion. It was Phil using things. To, he would proverbially poke the bear on a regular basis. Phil Jackson loved to poke the bear with Shaq and Kobe. It didn't matter if you were on their team or not on their team. Don't poke those two. Now, I had a tough time with Hakeem and LeBron. In which order do you put them? I'm going to give LeBron this one and put him above Hakeem. But Dylan Brooks just learned firsthand what happens when you get into LeBron's crawl a little too much. You, you can't talk a big game. And I get it. He wanted to uh, get in between the king and the hoop. Guess what didn't happen? Getting in between the king and the hoop. Not a good move. And then I, of course, close it out with Hakeem because he's the dream. And don't poke an angry bear. Chris Brock. All right, Susie, love what you did there. You went hoops. I'm going NFL. Okay. Go current NFL because we go all time. Uh, it's just Tom Brady one through five, and uh, that was not a fun list. But I'm doing current like NFL. List, don't poke the bears. 
I love the literal bear, Nick Bosa. Did you see what Nick Bosa said to Arizona or what Steve Kime said? He said, hey, I know you're going to draft Kyler Murray, and I'm going to destroy your, your team after that decision. I love that move. DK Metcalf, TJ, the guy looks like a literal bear. <laughs> Do not make him mad under any circumstances. Number three, Micah Parsons. That's don't poke the lion right there. That dude is a beast. Derrick Henry? Are you kidding me? And number one, Patrick Mahomes. Don't ever talk trash to Patrick Mahomes. Never. He won the Super Bowl on one leg. Guy's the man. I love him. I love Patrick Mahomes. TJ, that's my list. All right, Pat. Well, you know, with me, you know, I do. My lists go all over the place. So these are my five top five right here. In no particular order, but let's put them up here. Diana Taurasi, WNBA. Like, Ooh, she's like someone on the basketball court who is legendary for her trash talk. She once told a, a referee when she didn't like a call, I'll see you in the lobby. Like, everyone in the WNBA knows you don't want to get Taurasi riled up. I saw her in a game last year. I forget who they were playing. She had no points going into the fourth. She started chirping with some girl. Next thing you know, she had 15 by the end of the quarter. She's legendary in her trash talk. If she's having a bad game, just let her go. Don't don't poke that bear. Steph Curry. No one really pokes Steph Curry, but the thing, Chris, is this. When a dude can routinely pull up from 30 and make it look easy, he's someone you don't want to get riled up if he's having an off game, which he rarely does. But if Steph is off his game, just let him be. Don't poke that bear. Aaron Donald. Do I need to say more? You don't. Remember that clip last year in practice? He took his teammate by the neck and he was choking him doing like line drills. You don't want to mess with him. And Tyson Fury and John Jones, I put them in because these are guys who literally can put hands on you. See, basketball players, football players can't really beat you up. These two can beat you up and put pain on you. That's why those are two bears you don't want to poke. Impressive, TJ. Well done. As we look ahead, Amy Trask heading into the uh, studio for the third hour.